0: Thanks for listening to the River City Church podcast. To learn more about our church community and how you can be a part, visit us online at therivercitychurch.org. Good morning. Good morning. morning. How's my hair? (laughs) It's funny you called me Damien 2.0 because I sometimes, when I'm here, I I just say I'm D2 for second virgin. But I realize you're like three or four inches taller than me, so you can just call me Mini D. Um... (laughs) But my name is Mark, and my wife is Kim. Kim's right there in the front row. And our son, Jonathan, is in the kids' ministry. Um, we are originally from the Chicagoland area. We were helping ministry in Colorado and then relocated back here. And um, last fall moved in, into the Batavia area. And so we have been connecting with this church. For the last six months, I am often on the road, either in the States traveling, speaking, preaching, or I'm overseas training, consulting. And so um, some of you probably, you know, you glance at me and think either I'm, I'm Damien or that guy looks vaguely familiar. And that's the reason why. But I'm excited to be here this morning. I am one of your missions partner. And our ministry, I just want to share a little bit more about it before I share God's word with you today. We exist to encourage, equip, and empower global youth ministers. Uh, that's the vision the Lord gave me about eight years ago while I was training leaders from about 20 nations in the Philippines. And it was a prolific vision and it is uh, just completely changed the course, the trajectory of my life, my family's life for the last eight years as we've pursued this. And the reason is there's two billion young people on the planet that don't know Jesus Christ, that don't have an eternal hope. And we're we are using some of the same methodologies we've used for decades. Um, and much of that is addition-based. And uh, we're doing something that's unique, that's different. Uh, we believe in exponential impact. And so what we're doing is we're connecting youth ministry influencers to collaborate and create resources that contribute directly to the local church. And so we come in at the high level instead of the grassroots level. We work with denomination leaders, parachurch leaders, alliance leaders, social movement leaders. Uh, In fact, tomorrow uh, I'll be talking with a leader uh, from the Middle East. Later in the week I'll be talking with a national level leader from uh, the Netherlands and coaching, consulting, and training, and networking them together to create institutes or centers or spaces for ongoing training and development of youth ministry that's the next slide and so our vision is in the next five years this is long game this is strategic thinking uh, instead of just going and doing a missions trip and then leaving after seven days we want to have that long-term investment and then we're trusting God that in five years we would at least see three strategically positioned centers or institutes or teams of people collaborating for the ongoing training and equipping of youth ministers so that those two billion youth can be reached. Let me break that down and make it very practical and give you an update. You guys have invested in our ministry. Something the Lord just gave to me when I was worshiping today is this simple thought: is that one seed sown in the right soil can lead to a tree. Uh, a handful of seeds sown in the right season can lead to an orchard. And so your church has been faithful to invest in us. And God has brought great fruit from that. Uh, this week, in uh, fact, tomorrow I, I fly out to Colorado. I have 12 meetings over the next six days. Much of that is casting the vision, sharing with people about our need, trying to get more financial seed, more prayer seed so that we can reach the young people of the world through some unique ways. But I wanna share with you what your seed, uh, financial seed and prayer has done. This is just some projects we're working on, a few of them, uh, but I know it's always good to see the fruit of your investment, whether it's financial or time or prayer. One of the things we do is online training. Uh, we have a program called Advance, and so we do some really short, condensed training uh, that is a training of trainers. And then those leaders take it and they train up their teams and those teams then train up other ministers. So instead of me going and training 10 pastors on a mission trip, I focus on a leader that knows 100 or a 1,000 or 5,000 pastors. They know their systems. They know their networks. They know their communities. They know their language. They know their culture. David is one of those leaders, great dynamic leader. That's him and his wife Tamara. They're in Zambia, which is in South Central Africa. And we did a training with them just a couple weeks ago via video chat. And then in a couple weeks from now, David and his team will then train 100 youth ministers that will directly impact 10,000 youth. Think about that, that's great math. Business people, that's return on investment that you want, okay? And so that comes through strategic, intentional coaching and consulting and relationship building with David and his team, and then allowing them to appropriately and relationally impact leaders in Zambia. Here's another project we have. It's called The Hive. Sometimes people ask me, Mark, you, 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 your focus is on the world and it's focused on the international ministry. Well, it's actually focused on the U.S. as well. A thing we do in the U.S. is called The Hive. Uh, what we found is that very few high-level leaders in America get together and network. Wouldn't it be amazing if you had denominational leaders, youth leaders, of thousands of churches that gather together and could pray together, could worship together, could strategize together and do it without an agenda. It doesn't happen. What happens is someone has a program, they have a product and they want people to implement it. And uh, that can be challenging in an existing structure, in existing systems. So we've created a cohort of leaders representing 22,000 churches in America. Uh, These are the highest level uh, youth leaders, including our own fellowship, the Assemblies of God. And in April, um, oh, sorry, I should tell you, in a couple days I'll be with a leader of 5,000 churches uh, out in Colorado and fellowshipping with him and building that relationship and investing in him. In April here in Chicago, we're we'll bringing those leaders together and uh, for two days of strategic prayer and fellowship. And we believe if those people get in the right room, like generals, uh, that they can develop appropriate strategies and tactics to reach the young people in America for Jesus Christ. amen, amen. so that's one of the things we do it's high level it's very intentional um, and you guys are a part of that. here's one more initiative that we're working on and we network all the time. one of the biggest things you, that we're doing this year and you can pray about it's highly diplomatic is working with uh, probably the largest network of churches in India, 65,000 churches. Uh, to help them develop an institute, a center, a space for creativity, for creating new resources and curriculum and teachings and workshops. There are 700 million young people in India, 700 million young people, uh, double the U.S. population alone. Uh, just bought my ticket to fly to India. You can pray specifically that the coronavirus doesn't screw up this trip. And so flying there um, 20, 22 hours and then arriving and being quarantined for two weeks, no bueno, not a good thing. Pray about that upcoming trip. Pray about that relationship. Pray about our April event with U.S. leaders. Please pray for David in Zambia and and his work of training up 100 leaders. We also have a program called Vision 2020. We've launched that this year to see more monthly donors come on board. God's blessed us with that. We continue to trust him in that. A lot going on, but it takes the right seed and the right soil at the right season to lead to an enormous harvest. I want to thank all of you for what you're doing. Today, um, after I'm done sharing God's word with you, you're going to celebrate. You're going to celebrate God's goodness. Yes, you are going to look at numbers. You're going to talk about what funds came in and what went out and how you spent those funds for kingdom work. And I want to let you know, uh, part of that kingdom work impact has been through our ministry just in the few months that you guys have been our partners. Uh, it is really uh, today is a celebration. I think business meeting sounds so blah, right? It sounds so informal. We're going to have an annual church business meeting, but it really is a celebration. I love annual church business meetings. Uh, now I run a nonprofit and I have board meetings and we try to make them fun too. Uh, but I think the coolest thing is you can look back and you can celebrate God's goodness, and then you can be reminded of His faithfulness looking ahead, right? I mean that in life we need to do that. We need to take time to celebrate God. And so I want to talk to you this morning about celebrating God. The title of my message is called Before the Lord. Celebrating Like It's. And we're gonna look at 2 Samuel chapter 6. Now, uh let me give you a little bit of the background here. In uh 2 Samuel uh chapter 6, and then also uh, the same story uh with some more details is seen in, in 1 Chronicles chapters 13. Uh, and 15 uh, but in this particular chapter in scripture uh, what happens is it, it records the story of David and the Israelites bringing the Ark of the Covenant back to Jerusalem okay now if you're exploring faith Christian faith and, and you're not a believer or maybe you're a new believer you, your first question might be what is the Ark of the Covenant well if you ever seen Indiana Jones and uh, <laughs> that's the first thing that came out of my mind uh, and uh, if you've seen that movie, then you know there's this, there was this chest, this ark or chest. And within that chest were specific, historical, powerful um, artifacts that were, were stored in there. And that particular ark or chest symbolized uh, the presence of God and the power of God. And wherever that went, the presence of God and the power of God manifested and so it had been some time since the Israelites had the ark with them. And David was ready to now take it to the city of Jerusalem so that the presence of God in a more prolific way would be with them and they would be blessed. And so he set out to get this ark. Now, a couple things happen in this story. This story actually recounts two. Uh, attempts At bringing the ark to Jerusalem It was outside of the city And they want, wanted to bring it to the city The first one was a complete failure And then the second one was a success We're going to look at that passage today And then I, what I want to do Is then pray and ask the Lord And His Holy Spirit to open our hearts and mind. And then I want to challenge you With three different ways to look at celebration Three different ways to look at worship Okay, Celebration isn't just an annual meeting It's not just a Sunday for an hour It's every day As followers of Jesus Christ We can celebrate So I want to challenge you to think differently And I want to give you three challenges Okay? Sounds good, I hope you're ready for that Let's go ahead and first read our text And then uh, we'll pray and get our hearts right We're going to look at 2 Samuel chapter 6 It should be on the screen uh, One or two verses at a time It's a bit lengthy but it's a great story And I want you to capture all of it. Okay, so just get ready because it is lengthy. We're going to go ahead and read and then pray. 2 Samuel 6. David again brought together out of Israel chosen men, 30,000 in all. He and all his men set out from Bala of Judah to bring up from there the ark of God, which is called by the name, the name of the Lord Almighty, which is enthroned between the cherubim that are on the ark. They set the ark of God on a new cart and brought it from the house of Abinadab, which was on the hill. Uzzah and Ahio, sons of Abinadab, were guiding the cart with the ark of God on it. And Ahio was walking in front of it. David and the whole house of Israel were celebrating with all their might. Before the Lord. With songs and with harps and lyres, tambourines, sistrums and cymbals. When they came to the threshing floor of Nikon, Uzzah reached out and took hold of the ark of God because the oxen stumbled. Verse 7. The Lord's anger burned against Uzzah because of his irreverent act. Therefore, God struck him down and he died there beside the ark of God. Verse 8. Then David was angry because the Lord's wrath had broken out against Uzzah. And to this day, that place is called Perez-Uzzah. David was afraid of the Lord that day and said, How can the ark of the Lord ever come to me? He was not willing to take the ark of the Lord to be with him in the city of David. Instead, he took it aside to the house of Obed-Edom the Gittite. The ark of the Lord remained in the house of Obed-Edom the Gittite for three months. And the Lord blessed him and his entire household. Now King David was told the Lord has blessed the household of Obed-Edom. And everything he has because of the ark of God. So David went down and brought up the ark of God from the house of Obed-Edom to the city of David with rejoicing. Verse 13. When those who were carrying the ark of the Lord had taken six steps, he sacrificed a bull and a fattened calf. David, wearing a linen ephod, danced before the Lord with all his might, while he and the entire house of Israel brought up the ark of the Lord with shouts and sounds of trumpets. Verse 16. As the ark of the Lord was entering the city of David, Macal. Daughter of Saul watched from a window, and when she saw King David leaping and dancing before the Lord, she despised him in her heart. They brought the ark of the Lord and set it in its place inside the tent that David had pitched for it. And David sacrificed burnt offerings and fellowship offerings before the Lord. After he had finished sacrificing the burnt offerings and fellowship offerings, he blessed the people in the name of the Lord Almighty. Then he gave a loaf of bread, a cake of dates, and a cake of raisins to each person in the whole crowd of Israelites, both men and women. And all the people went to their homes. Verse 20. When David returned home to bless his household, Michal, daughter of Saul, came out to meet him and said, How the king of Israel has distinguished himself today, disrobing in the sight of slave girls of his servants, As any vulgar fellow would. Verse 21. David said to Michal, it was before the Lord who chose me rather than your father or anyone from his household. When he appointed me ruler over the Lord's people, Israel. I will celebrate before the Lord. I will become even more undignified than this. And I will be humiliated in my own eyes. But by these slave girls you spoke of, I will be held in honor. Long story. Let's pray. God, we have just a few minutes together today, but we know you have some truth for us. It's going to transform us. And so if you would open our minds and our hearts, pry open the parts that are tight and rusted and need to be refreshed. And renewed by your spirit, help us to know you more today and to make you known. In Jesus' name, amen. Three things I want to challenge you with this morning in our time together, and it's this. Number one, prioritize obedience over convenience. Prioritize obedience over convenience. Think about that. I want to take you back to our text. I think it's on the screen. In verse 3 and 4, there's a significant clue here. It says, they set the ark of God on a new cart and brought it from the house of Abinadab, which was on the hill. Uzah and Ahio, sons of Abinadab, were guiding the new cart with the ark of God on it. And Ahio was walking in front of it see therein lie the problem. There are actually three problems. David in his desire to get the Ark of God which symbolizes the presence and power of God, in his attempt to get that back to Jerusalem in his haste he bypassed God's plan. He tried to take a shortcut. He actually committed three significant violations. First, he didn't consult God and God's plan. He didn't ask God what God wanted and How God wanted it to be done. They had scripture. And the priests knew the appropriate way. To carry and take care of the ark. And David completely ignored this. The second thing he did. Is he didn't utilize the Levites. There were a chosen tribe. A chosen group of people. Whom the priesthood came from. And only those people were allowed. To carry the ark of the covenant. David completely ignored this. And allowed these two other Joes to carry the ark. And the third thing he did is he transported the ark in the wrong manner. Now that is a complete and total understatement. He actually blatantly disobeyed and disrespected God. In our text it says they took the ark and they put it on a new car. Now historically, I want you to understand this. The Ark at that time was an area where the Philistines had once controlled. And they were another tribal group, another people. And they worshipped local gods, various statues and idols. They would carry their idols on a cart. And so by taking the Ark of the Covenant and putting it on a Philistine cart, or a type of cart they would use to carry their trinkets and their man-made, man-carved statues... David was essentially saying, Yahweh, the covenant God, the creator God, the God of relationship and love that we worship, is just like all of your statutes. David had completely blasphemed and disrespected God. By completely ignoring God's plan, he had shortchanged his people. In fact, what David had done as a leader is he had led his people into disobedience. In idolatry. And then all the onlookers. All the people that were not of that tribe. That are not of that, that, that ethnic group. Not of the Hebrew people. Not of the covenant people. All those people just looked and said. Oh look they're worshiping their God like we worship our God. Same, same. And that's not the case. And so David committed an egregious sin against God. Why? I think there's several reasons why. But one of them is convenience. One of them is ease. And I think it's true for you and I. If we're Christians. If you're, Christ, if you're a Christian like I am. Is that so often we can bypass God's plan. Because we don't like it. Because it's uncomfortable. Because it's not easy. Because it's challenging. Because we don't see the immediate reward. Because we've done the cost benefit analysis. And there's too much cost associated with it. And so God may have us in a journey or season of our life. That's difficult. And he may have a plan to it, but we don't like that plan. We want to expedite it. We want to hurry it up. We want that suffering to be over with. We want that challenge to be over with. We don't like his rules. We don't like his plan. And so we bypass it. The reality is this, and here's a quick takeaway. Anytime we disobey God's plan, we step outside of his protection. We can fall and others can fall. And that's exactly what happened to these two men carrying the ark. Because David's foolishness, because David's impatient attitude, because of, his, because of his disobedience, others pay a consequence. Anytime we step out of God's plan, we put ourselves and others at risk. At the very least, we miss the beauty of following God and his leading. So what happened? David was freaked out. I would be freaked out. David was freaked out. He did. They just left the ark and they went back to Jerusalem and he took some time to get his head right and figure things out. Now if you look at the other passage, 1 Chronicles 13 and 15, it tells you more of the story. David said, wait a second, we did things wrong here. We've got to do things right. We've got to do things God's way. He got his heart ready. He got his city ready. He got a new tent ready to hold that ark. He got the priest ready to carry the ark. He got the sacrifices ready. He began to do things according to God's plan. Yes, it wasn't convenient. But he realized obedience was better. And it's a challenge for me. It's a challenge for me personally. Because I don't always understand our Heavenly Father. And how He does things. And His processes. And His times. Just a quick brief story. Um... Years ago, when I was teaching our son, Jonathan, how to ride a bike, I thought, how how do I teach him how to ride a bike? So I I told him three things. I said, Jonathan, the bike, it likes three things. It it, it likes uh, speed. You have to go fast. If you don't go fast enough, you're going to fall. And the bike, it likes balance. You've got to try to keep your waist still and balance on the seat. And the bike likes focus. Um, You have to look where you want to go. And so we would just go through those three things. Speed, okay, you have to go faster. The bicycle needs you to have more speed. Okay, you need a balance. Don't lean too hard to the left or right. Don't pull your hands too quick. And, and, and son, you have to focus. How many know when that squirrel came up on the right side and his hands were pointed forward and his head went to the right? Something happened. And you know, there was wipeout after wipeout after wipeout, but we persisted with that process. There's some times where we just don't trust God. And God has a process. God has a plan. He's instructing us. He's our Heavenly Father and He knows the way. Jesus reminded us of this in Matthew 6 verse 8. For your Father knows what you need even before you ask Him. Also in chapter 6 of Matthew. Jesus said, but seek first His kingdom and righteousness. And all these things will be given to you as well. Be obedient. Put God's plan first. Here's how I challenge myself. It's a question I put on the board. Where can I trust God more? In my life, where can I trust God more? There are, there are things in my life that are not, I'm not trusting Him and I'm trying to circumvent His plan. Maybe you're the same way. Maybe there's something you're going through right now and you don't like the plan, you don't like the process, you don't like the timetable. You want it to be convenient and easy. There's no easy button. How can you begin to trust God more? What area do you need to confess to Him and ask His help with, ask the Spirit to help you? But then I think there's a challenge for us collectively as a church family. There's always going to be a pull toward the easy and expeditious and risk-adverse path. There always will be. But as you celebrate what God did this year, as you look back at 2019 and as you prepare to move ahead and you look at what God has for this fellowship, this church, keep his plan and his purpose foremost. Don't choose the easy and convenient way. Choose the obedient way. Amen? Now, second thing. Second thing about celebration, about worship, it's this. Prioritize persistence over resistance. Persistence over resistance. Think about that. And our text says this in verse 12 and 13. So David went to bring up the ark of God from the house of Obed-Edom. So this would have been the second time, okay, after he failed. He went back to bring it up. It says, when those who were carrying the ark of the Lord had taken six steps, he sacrificed a bull and a fattened calf. Now let's pause there. Think about the cost of that, okay? Every so many steps, they stopped and they made an animal sacrifice. Now that was a culture, that was their custom, that was their way of worship, Okay. But every so many feet, they would do that. There was a great cost of time and energies and monies and even the animals' lives to express great love, to express great worship to the Lord. Now, we don't worship that way today, but there's always a cost. There's always a cost when it comes to worshiping God. Let's look back at our text again, verse 14. Wearing a linen ephod, David was dancing before the Lord with all of his might, while he and all his old bringing up the ark of the Lord with shouts and the sounds of trumpets. When David returned home to bless his household. Michal daughter of Saul came out to meet him and said how the king of Israel has distinguished himself today. Uh, she was being sarcastic if you don't know that. Going around half naked in full view of the slave girls of his servants as any vulgar fellow would. Verse 21. David said to Michal. It was before the Lord who chose me rather than your father or anyone from his house when he appointed me ruler over the Lord's people Israel. I will celebrate before the Lord. I will become even more undignified than this. And I will be humiliated in my own eyes. David persisted despite the cost. And he persisted despite the criticism. Some of you know what I'm talking about. In your life, you have pressure from people that don't understand your faith. You have internal pressure in things you deal with in your own thought life and the criticism that come. But you also have pressure externally from people that maybe make fun of or ridicule your faith or your faith practices or don't understand it when it's time to get together. And you say, you know, I'm taking time to volunteer and serve at church or I'm doing this and I'd rather not do that. There are always going to be people that misunderstand or people that criticize. There's always going to be a cost and there's always going to be criticism to following Christ. And that's what David encountered. But the thing that struck me about this passage is David is so much like me. Or I'm so much like him. He had a fight on the way to church. How many married people know the best arguments happen on the way to church? Right? I mean, like, something's going on, right? I mean, he's worshiping God. He has this amazing day. He comes home even before he steps through the doorway. His wife runs out and she ridicules him and makes fun of him. And how he chose to celebrate. Oh, man. Now, here's the thing I laugh. I actually laugh because it got dirty. He brought in the in laws. Now, if there are any engaged people here or about to be married people here, anytime you start talking trash about your in laws, that's what we call hitting below the belt, okay? That's cheap. That's not fair. That's when things are really bad. And so, here's David's response to that essentially is to say, well, God chose me to be king instead of your family. If you don't know the history, Michal's father was the prior king. And so David says, you know what? Well, your dad wasn't good enough, so I'm, I'm, I'm the boss now. I mean, <laughs> you know, he's just, he's talking smack, right? And then he goes a step further and he says, but you don't understand. I'm not done yet. You haven't seen anything. I'm not quitting worshiping God. Now let me give you a quick glimpse into the culture here. What had happened is that David had stripped down into a linen, linen undergarment. Think onesie, uh, you know, think some kind of jumper. Okay. Think long johns. Okay. Now, culturally, there were some of the priestly people. They would wear these light linen outfits and then they would twirl around. And in fact, there, there is an ethnic Muslim group in the Middle East that still does a similar type of dancing today, a part of the religious activity. Uh, and so David would troll around. Think fiddler on the roof, okay? There no fiddle, so. And David was dancing and jumping, but he had this particular garment on that was lightweight, and it was airy, it was linen. And all that to say is it wasn't his job. It was a certain priest and certain dancers that were supposed to act that way. So what Macau was doing, she was prideful, and she was saying, essentially, you look like you're lower than the lowest person. Like you're not acting like a king You're acting like a peasant person. You're acting like a fool. You're not acting proper. And David says, if you don't understand, I could care less about me. I want to worship God. I want to worship God. And so he persisted despite resistance. He persisted despite resistance. Here's what I ask myself. I I need to ask myself this quite often. In what areas, Mark, are you focusing on the opinions of others at the detriment of your own spiritual growth and happiness see, the, the issue here is that Macau was looking outward and David was looking upward. Macau was looking out at what other people thought, but David only cared about what God thought. I ask myself, where do I need to redirect my focus upward? Where do I need to redirect my focus? Because there are times when I say, you know what, if I do this, people are going to think that way. If I don't do this, they're going to think that way. And that will always happen when you choose to put God first. There are going to be people people that don't understand. And you're going to want to take your focus off of him and your obedience off of him. And you're going to put it on others. I want to challenge you personally, individually, to redirect your focus to God and what's important to him and his plan, his word, his truth. But then collectively, the same is true for this church family. This last year was a great year for River City Church. But it was also a year of challenges. You had two great pastoral team members that that the Lord sent to plant a new church. And God is doing awesome things with that. But in the wake of Dan and Abigail leaving, that shifted some of the programming here. And some of you have felt that. There's always going to be seasons where there's challenge, where there's change, where there's something new. But let's keep our focus on God. And let's, let's persist in our worship of Him. Let's be passionate in our pursuit of Him. No matter what may come individually or collectively. Amen? Amen? Now I want to give you a third point and then we'll wrap it up here soon. Number three, prioritize presence over position. What do I mean by position? I mean your, your position or social status. I mean your power. I mean your influence. I mean your agenda. What you want to get done. David learned the second time around to prioritize being in the presence of God. In fact, this is so profound. In this one chapter in scripture, you'll notice five times this phrase occurs before the Lord. Verse 5, David celebrated before the Lord. Verse 14, David danced before the Lord. Verse 17, David sacrificed before the Lord. And then in verse 21, when there was criticism and opposition... From his own life. David's response was, it was before the Lord. Now, really quick, contextually, this phrase doesn't mean um, to proceed. It doesn't mean that I came first and then the Lord came. It means to be in the presence of or come before someone. Does that make sense? It literally, um, the, the, the original word means to, to do, I'm, I'm really bad at this, I was in the army, but to do an about face is to turn from what you were focused on and completely redirect. And so David was saying, I have learned to turn from focusing on my agenda, my position, my power, my timetable. And now I have completely turned to focus on God. Everything I'm doing right now, dancing and singing and jumping and leading the people as their priest, I'm doing it for the Lord, unto the Lord, in the presence of the Lord. Let me break it down to a simple, simple thought. We have an audience of one. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, you have an audience of one. All that we do is for God. All that we do is for God. He is our audience. I'm reminded of that in Colossians 3:23, when it says, All that you do, do it unto the Lord with all of your heart. Second uh 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9 says. That as Christians we are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession that we may declare the praises of him who called us out of darkness into his wonderful light. If you've been called out of spiritual darkness into light. Then you represent God. Then in a sense you are a priest. Then in a sense it is your duty to celebrate. No, you don't have to get down to your skibbies, your undies and dance around like David did. But all that we do is an act of worship to the Lord. It's before him. So if that means loving and honoring your spouse when it's difficult, know that you're doing it before the Lord, unto the Lord. If it means being kind and gentle to your parents, young people, know that that's an act of worship to the Lord by respecting and honoring your parents. If it's, if as a teacher, if your profession is teaching, it means giving your very best, being creative and resourceful. If it's a student, it means engrossing yourself fully in studies and getting the most out of it. If you're in the workplace, it means uh, finding the optimal deal to benefit your employer and your client. In all that we do, painting, singing, dancing, business making, all that we do, we can do it unto the Lord. We can celebrate like it's all before the Lord. Before it's, before the presence of God. We have one audience. So here's how I challenge myself. And if I'm really celebrate, serious about celebrating Christ in all that I do, I need to ask this question. How can I be more intentional about knowing and sharing Christ? If I really want to be in His presence, if I really want to focus on what He wants, not what Mark wants. Mark wants things, but I want to put God and His plan and His purposes first. Then I need to think through that. I need to ask the Holy Spirit to work in me. I'm sure you feel the same way. There are several ways that I can prioritize God, that I can be intentional about building my relationship with Him, time in prayer, time in reading Scripture, time in listening to Scripture. Uh, time and serving, being generous financially, being generous in other areas. There's things too that we can do collectively as a fellowship. We can be very intentional about creating a space for the presence of God to be to be seen, to be experienced. We can be intentional about praying and caring and sharing for others that don't know Christ. Three things that David did that are great reminders for us in the faith. David prioritized obedience even when it wasn't convenient. He persisted. He persisted in passionate. Yes, it seems a bit crazy. Passionate worship and sacrifice. Even during resistance. I mean, some of the worst criticism are going to come from those that know you the most. Keep loving God. Keep your focus on God and pray and love for those around you. And David knew uh, whether he sacrificed dance or administered the duties as a king. It was all about being in the presence of God. It was nothing to do with his position, his status, his benefit. It was about God and God's glory. I want to challenge you to think through life that that way this week. Don't get me wrong. I don't want you to strip down to your underwear and dance today. But I do want you to remember, we live before the Lord in his presence. And it is our honor and privilege to celebrate him. Now I'm going to conclude in prayer, but I know that there are some here that may may not know Jesus Christ. You may not have trusted in Him. And I want to encourage you to trust in Him today and know that He loves you and He has a plan for you. That He sent His Son to rescue you and restore your broken relationship with Him and with others. And that by faith, by trust alone, we can have a new life. And that life means that we can begin to celebrate God. That we can be before Him at all times. Let's close in prayer. And on your way out today, I'd love to get to know you. Our brochure prayer card info is on the table right out there. If you ever want to schedule coffee or lunch, let me know. Or if you want a prayer walk, I'll do that too. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for this time uh, that we've had just to celebrate uh, this wonderful historical narrative. Uh, to understand it a bit more and understand how it relates to our life. Uh, God, if we're walking by faith, if we're uh, followers of, 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 of you, uh, then we know that there are going to be times when we want to go outside of your plan. And, and and seek the convenient, easy route. But remind us by your Holy Spirit that obedience is better than convenience. Lord, we know that there are going to be times when we uh, will uh, encounter resistance, uh, naysayers, criticism, rebuke, uh, maybe just simple misunderstanding. And there are times when we, we might want to give in to that. But Lord, help us to persist and to keep our focus on you. And Lord, I know in my life there are times when... Um, Lord, there are times when I focus on what I have to do and my schedule and my agenda and my position and my all of that. And what I need to do is just reorientate my heart toward you and your presence. I pray that for my friends today, Lord, that whatever they're going through, uh, whatever they're dealing with at this week, they would just be reminded they have an opportunity to celebrate before you and all that they do to be before you. Thank you, God, for today. Bless this um, annual celebration meeting. Inspire our hearts and minds, Lord, for what you can do. Be glorified, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for having me. Thanks for listening to the River City Church podcast. We'd love to hear how God is using River City Church to minister and impact lives. If you have a story to share of how God is moving in your life, send an email to Amen. At therivercitychurch.org. If you'd like to support our mission financially, so we can continue to share messages just like these, you can give online at therivercitychurch.org/give.